0: Welcome to another episode of the Pinnacle Mindset Show. I am your host today Sophie um, and I hope that you guys are all staying safe and sane, more importantly right now. Um, And today we have Steve on the show. Steve, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, So would you like to just start off by primarily just introducing yourself to...
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, My name's Stephen Bekelegg I'm the senior assistant at the moment at uh, National Centre Dublin in Ireland. I started the coaching role back in 2017 when John Rudd became the National Performance Director of Irish Swimming. Um, I've been coaching with Ben Higson now for the past three and a half years and everything seems to be going really good at the moment.
0: Amazing. Um, So how, first and foremost, how did you get into swimming?
1: um I, I suppose like like most kids do really I think my parents just wanted me to to learn to swim to be honest and I always remember this kind of this one moment where we used to swim and uh I got under the youngest of five and I, my two eldest brothers they they were always at the deep end and my mum was trying to get me to to learn to swim and she was trying to teach me and everything I just I was having none of it because I wanted to go down the deep end with my brothers so that kind of Pushed them towards me being in a club and everything. So that was, that was the age of, uh, age of five. So I learned some of the age of five and then moved to Plymouth Leander when I was seven years old. And then the the, kind of the story from there is um, went to Plymouth Leander, stayed at Plymouth Leander until I was 22, until I retired just after uh, the 2012 Olympics, which I narrowly missed out on and um, kind of fell into coaching really.
0: Yeah, so how was
1: that transition initially from swimmer to coach? Um, I, I, it wasn't too strange because it, as soon as I kind of retired, uh, I took two or three years away from the water completely. So I wasn't in touch with Pima Fleander, wasn't in touch with any other club, just in touch with the likes of Anthony James and, and other people that were, that were at Pima Fleander at the time. And uh, when I kind of stepped back in towards the coaching absolutely and uh, it was kind of a different group of swimmers a different crop of swimmers so they they had no pre preconception of me and I had no preconception of them. so it was actually completely fine um I can imagine for, for some people that go straight from you know the, the athlete into the coaching role can be quite difficult mm.
0: yeah so how so you've obviously kind of discussed a little bit about how you got involved with swimming how how what made you decide to go down the coaching route
1: um it was almost by chance I I came in to see to see John uh cause I hadn't seen him in a while um came in to see Ben Proud came in to see Ruta came in to see uh Anthony James who I'd swam with for uh, well since I was eight years old and John was just like look we we need a spare coach. uh, We need a, another pair of eyes on deck. We need, we need someone to, you know, do the, uh, do the, the stopwatch holding <laughs> and uh do, do you fancy coming down two or three times a week? And I was like, well, yeah, I've got, I've got a few spare hours, so why not? And then it kind of just evolved from there really. Um, when, when I retired from swimming, I wasn't in the best of places in terms of, I didn't really, Enjoyed the sport anymore which is why i took time away but as soon as i came back after the, the two or three years it was just like kind of fell in love with it again if that makes sense mm. um so i don't know i don't know what drew me back if that makes sense or what drew me to say uh yeah okay let, let, let's start coaching again because obviously as you know the early mornings can be yeah. a little bit difficult but um yeah it's, it's kind of just evolved from that and then evolved from there really
0: that's amazing um so, obviously, that transition um, would have been a big change for you. Um, yeah. And obviously, you don't coach at Plymouth anymore. So, how was the transition from coaching Plymouth to coaching at the Performance Centre in Ireland?
1: Yeah, so the, the transition was um, a little bit strange at first because we didn't actually have a head coach at the centre until, obviously, Ben arrived. So, uh, I think John John left plymouth under in the February of 2017. And he had John Watson on board in the was March or the April of 2017. And then I came on board early May, 2017. Ben didn't actually start until the new season. So September, 2017. So it was myself and Beth Carson who kind of led the program from May all the way through to, to the Irish nationals uh, that year. And it was it was more so uh, not difficult but a strange one because you go from being not, not not even an assistant coach you just go from being a coach at a club <laughs> to all, all of a sudden leading a national center and trying to trying to get the performances out of a, a group of swimmers that you have no idea kind of from their previous work what they've done and you're kind of swimming at a deep end really um but I think sometimes that's that's almost the the, the best way to um to learn something new and to, to grasp something with both hands because it, I, I think if you're not necessarily thrown at a deep end sometimes you kind of take things for granted Whereas mm. as being thrown at a deep end you're, you're having to tread water and, and kind of make the most of it as quick as you can
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah
1: and so No, it was was strange, but it was really exciting at the same time.
0: Yeah, a beautiful swimming pun that you've just used there. Um, So, (laughs) top marks for that. Um, But was there a difference in going from a club club to a specific performance centre, or was it just the same?
1: Um, At the time, I would say no. I would say now, Throughout the, the past three and a half years, it has there is a noticeable change. I would say at the time, um, because of who I was coaching and, and what I was doing at Plymouth Leander, um, it it was almost kind of seamless how it went into into the national centre because I was coaching alongside John at the time and I was coaching the sprint group with John. Um, so there's only maybe eight to twelve swimmers in that in that cohort there and then and then you go to the national center in dublin there's 10 to 12 summers in mm-hmm. that cohort and although it wasn't uh, you know a sprint group it was more so kind of 200 400 based you still had you know the relatively low numbers where you could still you know plan and periodize individually rather than just kind of for the masses yeah. se. so yeah it wasn't it wasn't too bad um but now that i look back on it and especially over the past three and a half years the national center has definitely evolved And it's, it's more um, kind of more individually focused, if that makes sense, although it was individually focused when we first came in, I would say more so now, especially with Ben's leadership and the using the Albrecht model is, is kind of something that blew my mind away to begin with. um, I had to kind of sit down and read, read Jan's book over and over again. And, you know, you, you still flick through pages now and you still don't understand it, but it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of been a mind opener, really.
0: Yeah, and I think like so many athletes and just the sporting world in general forgets that coaches have to learn too. Um yeah. and I think that we can forget that coaches are people. Um and so moving into the fact that you are a person, um mm-hmm. and even though you are on a screen, um how have you found this past year?
1: Um difficult like most people but definitely i do feel very privileged to be doing what i am doing because i know a lot of people have been stuck at home for a year now um i was only and, and ben and and, and and you know the rest of the coaching team have only were only stuck at home for the past 10 weeks uh, in that first lockdown from march until kind of the end of may early june mm-hmm. um we've been back in the water since the beginning of june um, we haven't missed a beat since the beginning of June, so that that that's been a great positive for for them and for us as well in terms of our mental wellbeing. Um, but I can, I can only imagine what it's been like. I mean, for my my partner, she hasn't worked in over a year now, and although she was she got pregnant in the May, and we've got we've got a newborn now. He's he? he's five weeks old this this Wednesday. It's uh, I can't imagine what it's been like for her. It must have been you know, while I've been at work, especially, you know, yeah. I can I can imagine it's been a little bit easier for, you know, for couples or families that have been at home together because they can kind of muck in together yeah. and they can talk about their issues. But for the people that have been alone, it it must have been and, and still must be really, really difficult.
0: Yeah, definitely. I can imagine. Um, how has it been as a coach trying to, because obviously the Olympics were meant to happen last year, um, and how has it been... From a coach's point of view, trying to plan that training for then, like trials to get like changed and for the Olympics to get moved, how has that been?
1: Um, again, it, it's been a strange one because we always talk about in swimming about you know moving the goalpost every time you reach your goal, you then move it on and you reach mm-hmm. it, and then you move it on, you move it on, and I suppose it's almost been um been a little bit of a roller coaster because you we didn't know until kind of the last minute that the olympics weren't going ahead mm-hmm. and now we still don't know officially you know obviously they are going ahead at the moment but again you're still like well the rest of the world is still in this pandemic yeah. like we are so you still kind of don't know but at the same time you have to have to believe in in the government you have to believe in that you know the health services around the world to make sure that you know that, that the people are safe first and mm. foremost you know, it would be great to have an Olympics. It would be great to have all these events back on. But at, at the same time, you're like, well, you know, there's a there's a greater and a wider population that needs to yeah. stay, stay, stay safe, um, stay safe, first of all. So, I think, um, yeah, it has been has been challenging in terms of from a coach's point of view. But again, we just reset the goals, move the goalposts, and then go, and then go for there.
0: Yeah, um, and I think I suppose swimmers are, and athletes in general are very used to adaptability and like yes. they thrive in adversity, I guess. But um, I, I can imagine it must be very hard for the the athletes who are training right now for Tokyo not knowing if it's going to go ahead. Um, mm-hmm. So how have you put your athletes kind of well-being i guess physically and mentally at the forefront of training right now or even in the past i guess
1: well yeah so so i I wouldn't say it's been any different now than it has been before we always we always say it's person first and athlete second Mm -hmm. i think if you look after the person first and foremost then the athlete will follow if that makes sense
0: yeah
1: and it hasn't changed you know from from previous years into now the only thing that has changed is the fact that we don't know when the competition, well, we, we know that the competition is happening at the moment, but we don't know, you know, kind of what the leaders are saying at mm. the moment. Um, so it, it's, you just, you got to take each day as it comes. you got to, you got to make sure that you obviously you plan and you periodize for what we know at this point in time. And I think that's, that's one of the great things with the Obrecht model is that you can scale back and you can, uh, change your goalposts in mm-hmm. terms of your goals because all you do is you, you you change your training plan and you have your overview and you go you go through everything with a fine toothpick and you know it, it is very seamless when you when you do have um a model to follow so that that has been a massive positive for us
0: yeah that's amazing um and more importantly thinking about you how have you put your well-being at the forefront um this year
1: um for me, it's making sure I stay grounded, if that makes sense. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm the type of person to, to get carried away with anything, um, to be honest, but making sure that I always put things in, into perspective, making sure that I, I do put my, my family first, making sure that I also do put, um, you know, my, my job as a high priority as well, because again, that's what look after, look after my family at the same time, you know? Um, but making sure that I stay in contact with family at home because obviously, although I live in Ireland, the rest of my family are back in the UK so making sure I stay in contact with them and make sure that they still see because I've got two kids now I've got a two-year-old and a, and a five-week-old so making sure I, over Zoom and WhatsApp and FaceTime and stuff that they, they get yeah. to see the little ones and stuff and hopefully when the world does return to normal, because it will do um, we, can, we can travel again and, and see each other but it's almost just realising that you're not the only one in this. Mm. Like Most of the world, if not all the world, are in this together at the moment. So you just need to to put things into perspective and go, well, the, the sooner it's over, the better, but I'm not the only one in this mess.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think you just made an amazing point that like, we will return back to mm-hmm. normal eventually. Um, yeah. And I think, obviously, sport, the sporting world is such a big part of, a lot of listeners identities but it's a very small part in the person that you are um so what would be your biggest recommendation for athletes right now
1: um stay focused and don't lose sight of of the ultimate goal to be honest because there's there can be so many different variables throughout a season and there always are so many different variables throughout any season that i think if, if you get um taken off track or caught off track then then you can can get you can fall behind quite quickly so it's just making sure they they stay focused making sure that they have they have one eye on now but also one eye on the future as well because ultimately the the next olympic games is only three and a half years away yeah the next trials is is only three years away at the moment you know so everything is going to come come pretty pretty thick and fast um you know, next year there's a whole a, a whole host of of different competitions. Um, it's going to be crazy for athletes and crazy for coaches and their families as well. So, you know, it's, it's making sure they got one eye on now, but also on the future as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and my next question ties into that. What would be your biggest recommendation for any coaches listening?
1: Um, to so again, stay focused, but have that one eye on the future because it's difficult for, for the coaches who aren't coaching at the moment, for the athletes that are out of the water. Mm-hmm. And for the, for the ones that have been out of the water for 10, 12, 14, 16 weeks, however long it's been, you don't want to sacrifice this season for next. Mm. You know, it almost needs to be like, well, what will be will be this year. But if we can get them into a good place once we return back into the water then i know that next season can be even better it can be our best season yet uh, because one thing that we found that during that first lockdown when we had the 10 weeks off is we we kept them on a a good dry land program uh, with our snc coach and, and the likes of myself and ben and it, they came back and they were they were in great shape i mean i i don't know whether that had any benefits in the pool per se, because we haven't really been able to see that just yet. But in, like aesthetically, they were in uh, incredible shape, absolutely mm. incredible shape. And I think it's just making sure that we, we keep that one eye on the future and don't sacrifice this season for next.
0: Yeah.
1: That's one of the, one of the biggest things we need to realise is that, you know, if European Juniors gets cancelled, if the Olympics get cancelled, because we still don't know, then, then you have sacrificed this season for next. Mm. we always making sure that we're building and and making sure that we have that one eye on the future.
0: Yeah. And I think that swimming is one of those sports where if you're not in the pool, then you think, oh, it's all, it's all like awful or like my fitness is just going to deteriorate. But there are Mm -hmm. so many different ways that you can actually rely, like you can actually get better without actually being in the pool. Um, So what, what ways would you give for not just swimmers, even any athletes that aren't maybe doing their sport, obviously, you're probably going to tailor it towards swimming because because you are a swim coach. But what ways would you say or give advice for any um, athletes wanting to get fitter or maintain fitness on land?
1: Yeah, so I, I would say stick to the things that you're comfortable with in in terms of making sure that you're not getting injured and you're not overtraining. Uh, Again, like you said, I'm going to tailor this to swimmers, but swimmers are like fish. You, as soon as you take them out for, out of the water when they're in on land, they tend to get injured. So it's about mm-hmm. making sure that you know that the the, uh, the process is slow. Uh, you have a methodical approach. You make sure that you know in, injury and or injury prevention is is at the forefront. Um, and it's it's only really that that feel for the water that you lose, like you said, that you can do so many different activities in terms of keeping your 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 fitness levels up and making sure that you stay um healthy but also not not just from a physical point of view but also from a mental point of view as well mm. because you know doing the same thing day in day out although athletes are resilient and they are used to that it can become a bit monotonous when you're just staring at the same four walls as well yeah um especially during the you know the winter months which obviously now thankfully we're coming out of mm. um but it's it's more so for for when the the athletes or when the summer's return is making sure they have that feel for the water or trying to get that feel for the water and that relationship with water again, mm. because that's the thing that they'll miss and that's the thing that they'll need to work on, not necessarily their fitness, you know, especially if they've been diligent and they've been disciplined over, over the past few weeks.
0: Mm. Yeah. And you just touched on the winter months, which, you know, you're right. Thankfully we are coming out of, um, do you see a difference in, not just your mood, but your athletes or your the people around you. Do you see a difference in people's moods during
1: the definitely. winter months? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would say, I mean, you were swimmer yourself and I'm sure you will agree that the winter months are kind of the most challenging. You kind of you go through your short course season and that's absolutely fine. You're like, oh, this is great. It's short course It's October, it's November, it's mm-hmm. December. And then all of a sudden Christmas and New Year hit and you're into some big aerobic capacity block. training long course it's the start of the long course season you're like oh this is tough Mm -hmm. um and as a coach it's it's kind of the same you you know you're as you know yourself you're up in the early mornings it's it's late evenings the the nights come quick (laughs) the Mm. mornings come even earlier as well and it's it can become a little bit monotonous however again you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel it's only a few months and then it starts to get brighter. The weather starts to get a little bit nicer. Mm. I, mean, I don't know what it was like in um, back in the UK yesterday, but it, we had lovely weather over here yesterday. I'm yeah. about 13, 14 degrees, and it was, it was almost like there's here we go, it's coming, yeah. it's
0: coming. Mm.
1: Um, and I think you, you do see that um, from the athlete's point of view as well. They they seem to be in a more buoyant mood mood, and they seem to be happier. Mm. just like when you go on a training camp if you go to yeah you go to a t3 center you're like where was all this you know it's because of the winter months
0: yeah no Um, and
1: and that's something
0: you're so you're so right whenever you go in the summer or whenever you go abroad to train you seem to find like an extra like couple of seconds out of nowhere um just because you are happier and i guess that that just goes into a happy swimmer is a fast swimmer, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So before we wrap things up, um anybody who has listened to previous episodes know that I always ask the same question at the end of a show from my guests: um, If you were living in a parallel universe where you could actually host a dinner party um, and you could invite somebody who was also not like not alive, um oh, yes. what three people would you invite and why?
1: um so i'm good i might be a little bit controversial here um but i'll explain the <laughs> reason why um first of all it would be my granddad because i never met him um so i'd like to to know kind of what he did as a youngster uh, points of view on life and um kind of how he saw things his relationship with my grandmother and relationship with, with his kids, obviously my mother and my aunties and my uncles and stuff. So that would be the first one. Uh, my next one would be Michael Phelps,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, one of the, if not the greatest athlete of all time, not just in swimming, but mm-hmm. the greatest athlete of all time. Um, and kind of just pick his brains as to kind of his mentality, not necessarily the training he did because anyone can be tough in training. Um, but kind of his his mentality towards adversity, his mentality towards setbacks, his mentality towards when things are going going great. How how do you then springboard onto the onto the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing? So I think that would be quite interesting. Um, and then my third one, which is the controversial one, um, Adolf Hitler. Okay. Uh, purely like to, to find out why why he did and why he Mm. thought he had to do the things he did. Um, Because there must've been, or obviously there was a mindset behind it. Mm. And I I would like to pick his brains and and find out the reasons behind that, find out what he thought he could achieve from all of those destruction that he did or whether he even meant any of that or whether it just kind of escalated and he he kind of Mm. got stuck on this this power trip almost. so it's more so of a of a just a sort of finding out and picking people's brains about mm. different things
0: yeah that's so interesting so before we close if anyone wants to pick your brains um on uh what we've discussed today how would they get in contact with you
1: uh they can get in contact via my social media so uh facebook uh, instagram uh, twitter Uh, My name is either Stephen Bekeleg or Steve Bekeleg on all of them. Um, It's a strange second name, so there aren't many out there. So I'm sure you'll be able to find me. Um, But also I have an email address and my work telephone number on the Sumala website as well, which anyone can can access.
0: Cool. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. Anybody listening, please be sure to like, share, do all that fun stuff. You all know the score by now um, and have an amazing day.